Good evening, and welcome to another episode of It Only Takes a Spark. Today's reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, but I'll read the first portion. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. When Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child was con- had been conceived in her womb. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place in fulfillment, what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call they shall name him Emmanuel. Wow. When on reflecting on the first portion of this reading, and I do recommend that you read reread this reading, um, because it's it's very uh insightful. Um I just I just found it interesting how um Joseph, you know, being a very righteous man, could not believe that Mary had become, um, uh, the Holy Spirit had conceived um, Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit had made her pregnant, you know, the nerve of him not to believe her, you know, after all, an angel appeared to her, right? And it wasn't even in a dream. You know, a real live bona fide angel appeared to her. And and he could not buy this. And you know, those of you who are men, even if you're not a man, you know that if somebody comes and tells you that of 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 this news, you would wonder what Mary had placed in her tea. You would find it very, very suspicious. And uh, at least I find it a little comforting that even a righteous man like Joseph found it, found, uh, you know, he doubted her. And, uh, and, and he wanted to, to step away, step away from his commitment to marry her. Uh, but, you know, God has a way of just snapping us right back to reality, even if it means appearing to us in a dream to shake us up. And that's what the angel did. And the angel came and said, hello, <laughs> didn't she tell you? Didn't she tell you? You know, uh, and he, I, I'm, I'm sure he felt that. I'm sure Joseph felt that. Oh my gosh, Mary said the same thing. So it must be true. You know, and God has a way of working things out. You know, haven't you ever felt like sometimes you were moving in one direction, yeah, and you wanted to go in this particular direction, and God just kind of snapped you right back, 
he had a, like a what I call a snapback moment. You know, he we're encouraged to move in a particular direction, and something happens and pulls us back in in line. You know, like when you're walking with your kids, and if a um, if it's a, a vicious dog is coming or a car, you're going to snap that child right back by pulling them back. You know, because they're gonna they're gonna get themselves hurt, seriously hurt. Or you have that friend that has impulse control, has inability to regulate their emotion. And sure enough, they get in a heated situation and they're about to fight. What do you do? You don't just sit back and say, okay, let me get my cell phone and record this because I could put this on Facebook and make me some money. No, you, if you're a good friend, you snap your friend back and say, uh-uh, we're not having this. Nope, not today. Or if it's your brother. You know, you snap them right back, you know, and um, and you tell them, hey, this is not a social media moment. All right. And sometimes in life we have to um, we have to be open to the fact that God works in mysterious ways. What we really need to do is pray before decisions. Pray before something important is going on so and ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit, right? And he works. He comes to us in our dreams through uh, insightful people that would share something that we that we didn't we didn't even think about, you know? And I remember one particular situation um We'd lost a baby um, uh, a, lo- um, a long time ago, and then we were pregnant with Biagio. And I remember being pregnant, and, and at some point during the pregnancy, I remember speaking to my older sister, Judy, who told me, she said, all right, you know, you be careful. Make sure that the baby's moving. You know, it's very important. I had a friend who had a stillbirth. Um, uh, and so make sure, make sure, make sure the baby's moving all the time. And I remember coming off the phone and I was mad at my sister. I'm like the nerve of her. Why would she even put those doubts in my mind? You know, doesn't she love me? Doesn't she know that pregnancy requires you to be warm and fuzzy and all balanced? Why would she put doubt in my heart knowing that I'd lost a baby already but because she said those words I became hypervigilant I was poking and prodding making sure that Biagio was moving and kicking and moving and uh and, and so much so that even the day the day that he was scheduled to be induced I noticed that day that he was not as active because what I was listening and watching and and being very vigilant. And he was not as active. I said, ah, I called the doctor. And the doctor said, no, well, you know, you're late. Sometimes the baby doesn't have a lot of space in there. I said, no, no, you don't know, Biagio. He's like a gymnast. He's, just, he's like a gymnast. He's doing somersaults. He's kicking, karate punching, you name it. You know, I said, no, he's never still. And even when I went to the doctor, they said, no, his heart rate sounds great. I'm like, no, I knew within my core of my being that my baby was in trouble. And I said, you better run another test. And he said, all right, all right, sent me to do some other tests. And after they run tests, 
uh, and this test. And they said, well, maybe he's not moving much because he's still. I said, all right. They gave me the last test they gave me was this little button. And they said, every time the baby moves, I want you to press this button. And he left. And because of the loss of our baby prior to that, I, I had a very distant relationship with God. Well, it wasn't distant. Well, we were on, the, I was doing the silent treatment. I was silent towards him. He wasn't silent towards me, but I was not speaking to him. Uh, and when I realized that I was waiting, I was waiting for to press the button, and I could not press the button because he did not move. And so when the when the nurse came back into the room and they came to look to check on me, she saw me on my knees and I was crying. I was crying and I was praying, praying for God to heal my baby and to save my baby. And I said, Jesus, don't do this to me again. I cannot take it. I cannot, I said, save him, save him, please, Lord Jesus. And to make a long story short, I had to be rushed to the hospital. He had an emergency C-section. I had an emergency succession, and Biagio had no pulse, nothing. And the doctor said he was literally, uh, his brain was deprived of oxygen. And um, he was, he wasn't on death's door. He had opened the door, and he was on his way out. Uh, and so uh, he required a lot of care, a lot of tubes. It was a very, very painful experience to see him um, uh, struggling so much. But they said, oh, uh, is he going to be okay? I knew he was going to be okay. So with God, we, we know that all things are possible, but we have to listen to those voices, whether it's in a dream or through a, uh, a family member or a dear friend who says, hey, you need to look at this. We have to be open, but if we can pray to the Spirit in advance so we're not having to make up for lost grounds, um, you know, he will always come through, but I think it's it's good practice to do that in advance. Um, it's hard to put this all into practice when so much is going on. It's hard to, to, to cleanse our mind and be open to this when we see so much craziness going on around us in our country and our uh, with the virus, but we have to hold on to hope. We have to hold on to the hope that whatever it is that we're going through, it's not, it's not long. It may be painful, but it's not permanent. And, um, and uh, we will leave this situation. I remember in college when we were going through our exams and we were our hair were braided up and we looked like we were all, we looked like Shaka Zulu. You know, we were all, we didn't, you know, we, we just looked like just <laughs> like the life of the living dead. Uh, I remember breaking out into the song, um, what is it? It won't be long, you know, soon we'll be leaving here. And I had to hold on to the hope that we will be leaving our, that dorm and we'd be uh, reuniting with our family. So, as Christian, we too have to remember that it won't be long. This virus, it wouldn't be long. It'll be leaving this place. Whatever it is that we're going through, it will not be long. There will be a time when it will be no more. It won't be long. We will one day unite with our, our Heavenly Father. And Father, we thank you for the gift of your love. We thank you for reminding us 
to put all of our trust in you and remind reminding us that if we stay completely connected to you, we can truly listen to your voice, your powerful voice within our hearts, in our family, and our friends. And Lord, help us to be like you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to share the spark. God bless.